Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. Coming to you from New York City, the only city in America, it's The Daily Show. Tonight... Trump is back in the race. How we got Black Friday. And Jonathan Majors. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you for coming out in person. Let's get into it. Take a seat. We're going to find out why Beyonce and Jay-Z might have beef. We'll see where Black Friday came from. And if you love the Trump administration, then oh boy, have I got some great news for you. So let's do this, people. Let's jump straight into today's headlines. All right. Before we get into the big stories, let's catch up on a few other things going on in the world. Starting with the Grammy Awards. Yesterday, the full list of nominations was announced, and Beyonce is leading the pack with nine nominations, which amazingly... (laughs) which amazingly ties her with her husband, Jay-Z, for the all-time record of 83 nominations. Yeah, yeah, makes your hashtag marriage goals look like shit. And congratulations to Amanda Gorman, the poet who got her first nomination for Best Spoken Word Album. That's pretty amazing. Congratulations to her. And to Joe Biden, who got a nomination for Best We Think Those Are Words Album. (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. In tech news, Elon Musk is continuing his makeover of Twitter by telling employees that from now on, the work environment will be, quote, extremely hardcore. Yeah, and they should prepare themselves but if anyone insults him, he'll call his mommy and fire them. (laughs) That's not hardcore, it's just mean. (laughs) And by the way, I don't know if he can afford to fire any more employees. He's already fired half of the company. Pretty soon, Elon Musk is gonna be the only one working at Twitter. We're gonna be (laughs) sitting there like, why haven't my tweets updated for like 20 minutes? And Elon will be like, sorry, I was taking a shit. It was so hardcore. (laughs) All right, where was I? Oh, in international news, NATO has announced that the stray missiles that hit Poland yesterday were not fired by Russia after all, as was reported. Yeah, they were actually Ukrainian missiles being launched against Russian attackers. So the good news is that NATO doesn't have to go to war against Russia. The bad news is it now has to go against uh, Ukraine. Yeah. (laughs) Rules are rules. The rules are rules. I'm just glad it wasn't what we thought it was. And Poland is like, we still got bombed. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the big story of the day. As you know, 
America's midterm election was just one week ago. The votes in many districts are still being counted. The runoff for Georgia's Senate seats is still three weeks away. And Wolf Blitzer is still waking up in the middle of the night shouting, key race alert, key race alert. <laughs> My point is the 2022 midterms are not over, which means now is the perfect time to start covering the 2024 election. <laughs> so many times over the last two years when people have said that Donald jobless Trump was finished <laughs> for sure. You know, they said he was finished when he lost to an ancient artifact. They said he was finished when he was impeached for throwing a house party without his parents' permission. <laughs> when he got his hand stuck under the fridge trying to get a Cadbury cream egg that rolled underneath there. Just let go of the egg, Donald. <laughs> the thing people don't realize is Donald Trump doesn't care what anyone else thinks about his political future. And you saw that last night because he swapped out the buffet table at Mar-a-Lago for American flags and made a big announcement. On stage at his South Florida estate, Donald Trump announcing the White House run he's hinted at ever since his 2020 election defeat. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. The former president impeached twice, including for his role in the January 6th insurrection, placing himself at the head of a movement to take power back for his supporters. This is our country, our government. Now at the center of multiple investigations, Mr. Trump said a weaponized justice system is the greatest threat to the U.S. We must conduct a top-to-bottom overhaul to clean out the festering rot and corruption of Washington, D.C. And I'm a victim, I will tell you. I'm a victim. That's right, folks. I'm the biggest victim of all. Every time I do something illegal, they come after me. I've done 30 illegal things. They've come after me at least 20 times. It's so unfair, so unfair. You know, as ridiculous as this is, I'm actually glad he's being honest about why he's running. He's running for the same reason every shirtless guy on Cops runs. The popo is chasing him. He said it. <laughs> This, this is what Trump does. He's always the victim. The poor billionaire who only owns 15 golf courses and got to run the world's most powerful country for four years. Oh, woe is me. Oh. <laughs> if Trump was a prince in a fairy tale, the movie would suck and the princess would never get saved. You know? Yeah, the dwarves would be like, please, we need you to save Snow White. And he's like, who's gonna save me? Do you know how many scares are in my castle? I'm so tired. Do you know how hard it is to pick from the lavish banquet my servants prepare for me? They'd be like, but she's poisoned to eternal sleep. would be like, I wish I could sleep. You know how hard it is to get comfortable in a bed of coins? So hard. But that's right. Trump is getting the old team back together for one more run at the White House. And of course, I say that metaphorically since most of the old team is in jail. The point is though, <laughs> he's officially in the race. And you have to admit, this is an interesting way to kick off your presidential campaign. Vote for me, I'm a whiny piss baby. <laughs> Cause that's what most of his speech was about. And apparently he's not the only victim. No, according to the Donalds, running America into the ground was also very hard on his family. And it hasn't been a joyride for our great first lady either. I go home and she says, you look angry and upset. I said, just leave me alone, I got <laughs> Hasn't been the easiest thing. In fact, my one boy, stand up, Eric. I think he got more subpoenas than any man in the history of our country. So unfair. 
Al Capone, you all heard of the great gangster? Al Capone got far less. Billy the Kid got almost done. Jesse James, no. Eric Trump got more subpoenas. He's, he's a PhD in subpoenas. They come from Congress. They... Yeah, that's right. No one suffered more from the Trump presidency than the Trump family. Yeah, while the rest of you were living it up in your border cages and enjoying an endless buffet of COVID, Eric Trump was being asked to answer some questions. What a hard life. And look, to be fair, I will admit that Eric has gotten more subpoenas than gunslingers like Billy the Kid and Jesse James. You know, and those guys in the Wild West, well, they got a lot of subpoenas. You know, we've all seen the movies. <laughs> Papers for Mr. Ugly? Is Mr. Ugly here? <laughs> you know what, you guys look busy. Uh, I'll come back later, yeah? story that he told, that Trump told about him and Melania. Was, was anyone else as surprised as I was to hear it was Trump telling Melania to leave him alone? <laughs> yeah, Melania was probably like, oh no, anything but that, oh. <laughs> I'll give you some space, how about forever? <laughs> now, you might be thinking, this speech probably sucked, right? Because you're not a fan of Donald Trump. But it turns out, even the people who were there to see him didn't exactly want to stay. Trump displayed a fraction of his 2016 energy. The speech ran twice as long as scheduled and for long stretches left his crowd restless and silent. This was a teleprompter Trump, low energy, very, very unusual. He started to get bored and started to ad lib and it just turned into a rambling mess in my opinion. Candidly, he was quite subdued. Low energy. I thought the speech tonight was lame. I thought the crowd was lame. Reporters inside the ballroom at Mar-a-Lago noticed a handful of Trump supporters attempting to leave before Trump was done speaking, but security won't let them. <laughs> oh, damn. Say what you will about Trump, but the man takes his border security seriously. Nobody's getting out. We're going to build a wall. Build a wall. Keep them in. But for real, though, you know a club is shitty when you need a bouncer to keep people in. That's when you know <laughs> things are not going well. And I actually feel bad for the crowd. They were probably scared as hell. They're like, oh no, we're trapped in here. Trump has us locked up. He's locked us up. He's locked us up. <laughs> and you know, and you know, Trump aside, I will say, I will say, it is a little strange. I'll be honest, I think it is a little strange that so many people in the news media were fixated on how boring the speech was. Like, who cares? You know? For years, they were like, this is not normal. And now they're like, this is too normal. Say, say something about the Mexicans. We need ratings, Donald. <laughs> now, despite Trump's triumphant return, the word on the streets is that he might not have the support that he needs to win. Yeah, apparently Republican elites are clamoring for Ron DeSantis, right? Uh, major Republican donors 
have announced that they won't back Trump this time. Even Ivanka released a statement saying she doesn't want to be a part of the campaign. Instead, she wants to focus on her family, which, of course, I understand. I mean, she's got that adorable little boy at home. Uh, (laughs) And I think she has kids, you know? So, yeah, a lot of major players in the Republican world are not thrilled that Donald Trump is running again. Although, apparently, many Democrats are happy. Yeah, including people like Bernie Sanders, who said Trump running may be a horror show for the country, but I've got to say that as a politician who wants to see that no Republican is elected to the White House in 2024, from that perspective, his candidacy is probably a good thing. (laughs) And, yeah, you know, Bernie, Bernie's probably right. Democrats should be praying for Donald Trump to win the nomination so that they can easily crush him in the general election. Yeah, that kind of thinking has never horribly backfired. <laughs> Just ask President Hillary Clinton, what could go wrong? <laughs> but for real people, are we really gonna do this again? No. Are we gonna do everything they say? The Democrats are gonna hope to face Trump? The media is gonna write him off because Republicans don't support him, forgetting that Republicans didn't support him the first time? Then he got on stage, roasted Chris Christie, slapped Jeb Bush so hard his whole family felt it. And then all of a sudden, the whole Republican Party was like, you are our king now, and Ted Cruz's wife is ugly. (laughs) And before you say, oh, but this time is different, we beat him already. Yeah, remember that he only lost to Joe Biden by 44,000 votes. And that was during a pandemic where Trump told everyone to bleach their lungs. He's probably not gonna do that again, (laughs) probably. And you're probably like, yeah, but, but this year, all of Trump's MAGA election deniers lost. Yeah, but they lost by like 1%. 1%. Those are not f-ing around and find out margins, people. <laughs> those are the kind of margins where if anything is a little bit different next time, Trump could win those states. Gas prices could be higher. The economy could be worse. Joe Biden could keep getting older. Anything is possible. <laughs> but no, I guess everyone's gonna act out the same roles as 2016. Uh, The Democrats are gonna hope he wins. Republicans aren't gonna stand up to him until it's too late. And the news will give him live coverage for every single word that he utters. I just pooped again, breaking news. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, if we're all gonna do the same things again, just let me know now. Because this time I'll be prepared. I'll go visit all the shithole countries before the borders are closed. (laughs) I'll invest in tiki torches and best believe I'm gonna stock up on a shit ton of toilet paper because I'm not using my socks again, you hear me? (laughs) That is not happening again. All right, that's it for the headlines. But before we go, let's check in on the traffic with our very own Roy Wood Jr., everybody. What is happening, Roy? What is happening in the traffic? What do you mean what's happening in the traffic? Why do you want me to turn around and tell you the traffic? You're facing a wall. You tell me what's happening with the traffic. Why is it so hard for you to tell me what's happening? Just tell me what's happening in the traffic. Not focus on the traffic right now. I'm more focused on you telling us to take Trump serious. Like, Trump don't take Trump serious. What? Trump don't take himself serious. Bro, he announced it from the crib. He announced he ran for president. He was upstairs in his drawers. And it was like, yeah, let me go downstairs real quick and yeah, do this president thing. He didn't even change his slogan. He's just doing this to get rid of all the, old, old, the, all the old MAGA merch from last time, man. Wait, what? Hell, if he sell it all, he might drop out. I, I bought three boxes of MAGA hats for, you know, for democracy. <laughs> Plus, the other thing with this man, Trump, deep down, Trump, no, he can't beat DeSantis. He can't beat DeSantis. Look, look at DeSantis. Look at that man. Look at that man. <laughs> and them, 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 them some bad bitch boots right there. <laughs> Trump could never. 
can't beat that man. He got all the votes. He got the conservative vote up top. He got the gay vote down low. <laughs> the ironclad. Look, DeSantis looks so good in them boots, Trump might try to grab him by the pussy. It's <laughs> some nice boots. Okay, you know what? Let's just get, let's just get to the traffic, Roy. Yeah, I, let's get to the traffic. Here's, here's the thing about Elon Musk. Well, can, Elon we, can we talk Musk. to him? Can we talk about Elon Musk for a second? Yeah, I mean, we, I guess we're supposed to do traffic, but yeah. Talking crazy to people in the emails. Every, every day Elon doing something. Send out the email telling all the employees to step it up. Also, sidebar, if I worked at Twitter, I just wouldn't open my emails. <laughs> Stop opening your email if you work at Twitter. It's like divorce. You got to hand me the papers. <laughs> you can't fire me if I don't open my email. Email, Elon been slinging them emails for two weeks, man, and ain't, ain't been no good news in them. It ain't like you work at Twitter, open your email, hey, good news, everybody, strippers in the break room. Like, all right, thank you, Elon. The email was wild. Did, did you read the email that I you sent out? I read the emails. They were insane. He had this whole thing. He was, he was like, from now on, we're going to be extremely hardcore, working long hours. It was like high intensity. Yep. Oh, and then he said, like, an only exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. If you don't want to be part of the new Twitter, then you can yep. get out. It sounded crazy, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, crazy for a CEO. What do you mean? It's not that, like, it's crazy if a CEO said that. That, that, that was Elon's mistake. You want to talk to people like that, fine. But you can't call yourself a CEO. If you want to talk to people crazy, you got to call yourself a head coach. What? Nobody, nobody is more verbally abusive to their employees than a head coach. You ever played a sport? You ever had your coach, coach always talking crazy? I want blood. I want pain. Water makes you weak. You can't have no water. Look, if Elon want to keep from getting in trouble, run Twitter like a head coach. First off, stop emailing everybody. Call a huddle. Bring all your employees in. Because the, everything in that Elon email, every, everything Elon said in that email, if he said it in a locker room, it don't sound as bad. Like, Elon could be a, a Twitter coach. He just have his little coach and bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in, Twitter team. Bring it in. Okay, Twitter team. Twitter team. We're in a competitive world. We need to be hardcore, long hours, high intensity. Only exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. Engineers, I need you to drive us. We are a software and service company. If you are sure that you want to be a part of Team Twitter, then please click yes on the link below in the email. And you make sure that they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Give me a blue check on three. One, two, three, blue check. Turn up. I love it. Run with Judy, everybody. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. I want to be an engineer. All right, don't go away, because after the break, Desi Lydic is going to expose the truth about Black Friday. We'll be right back. I want to join. You want the traffic? I'm the traffic. You want the traffic? I'm in the blue check. I'm in the blue check. Put the blue check in. Put the blue check in. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
to The Daily Show. Next Thursday night, America celebrates the holiday that defines it as a nation, Black Friday. But where did Black Friday come from? Well, to find out, we turn to Desi Lydic in another episode of Why Do We Celebrate This? Hey, get back. This one's mine. You all ready to die for this flat screen? Because I am. Hello, my shopaholics, maximistas, mall rats, coupon clippers, bargain bitches, capitalism warriors, and sales sluts. It's the holidays, and that means one thing. Family. No, I'm kidding. That means shopping. Family. What the f***? Like many of you, I too will be going out on Black Friday, one of America's most treasured excuses to buy shit. And Black Friday seems like something that's been around forever. I mean, I can't remember a time when Black Friday didn't exist. Then again, my memory is a little fuzzy from all the head trauma from previous Black Fridays. The history of Black Friday is actually quite interesting. It started in the 1920s, when retail stores wanted to set a clear beginning to the Christmas shopping season. So department stores like Macy's created grand parades to signal to Americans it's time to start spending cash. Although back then, parade balloons weren't as cute as the ones today. You know, classics like Puff the Meth Fuel Dragon, Whimsical Drifter Murderer, and Thick Daddy Superman. Maybe they were hoping to scare people to run inside the stores? I don't know. The point is, retailers depended on a big Christmas shopping season and were willing to do whatever it took to make it as long as possible. In fact, during the Great Depression, they even lobbied President Franklin Roosevelt to move Thanksgiving a week earlier to allow for more Christmas shopping. And after his cousin finished giving him a handjob, FDR agreed. Eventually, they moved Thanksgiving back, but the retailers got what they wanted because over the next few decades, more and more people began their Christmas shopping the day after Thanksgiving. But the first time the day was called Black Friday was in the 1960s. It was actually coined by the Philadelphia Police Department because the day brought tons of traffic and chaos. And for shopping to cause chaos in Philadelphia, it has to really be chaos. I once set fire to a mannequin at a Zara in Philadelphia, and they didn't even kick me out of the store. They just threw it in the burnt mannequin pile. Sorry. <laughs> it was in the 1980s that Black Friday finally went nationwide, and it was all thanks to America's obsession with the adorable little vegetable-human monster hybrids known as the Cabbage Patch Kids. I got this one for $3,000, and I had to get punched by a lot of grandmas to get it, but it was worth it. The toys were in such high demand that it caused literal riots across America. People fought their neighbors tooth and nail to pay for some lettuce-shaped plastic. But all the violence was worth it for that precious Christmas morning when their kids would open the box, see the Cabbage Patch Kid, and then play with the box. The Cabbage Patch Kids set the standard for all sorts of Black Friday crazes throughout the 90s. From Furbies, to Beanie Babies, to Tickle Me Elmos, to countless other toys bought by newly divorced dads trying to buy their way into their kids' hearts. By 2002, nearly three quarters of all shoppers were in stores over Black Friday weekend. It was paradise for people looking for deals and robbers looking for unguarded homes. Black Friday was so successful that stores started pushing the start time back from Friday morning to Friday at midnight and then all the way back to Thanksgiving night itself. They called the new holiday Gray Thursday as a tribute to the moral gray area of abandoning your family on Thanksgiving to choke out a stranger for an Instapot. Oh, it's ready. 
And throughout this time, Black Friday doorbuster sales became more dangerous as consumers turned every big box store into a big octagon arena. It got so bad that in 2011, you were statistically more likely to be injured in a Black Friday sale than from a shark attack. Unless that shark is also at the Black Friday sale, and then it depends on whoever wants that blender more. Got it! But sadly, the good times and horrific injuries couldn't last forever. With the dawn of online shopping, Black Friday became less relevant than the newer, shinier, two-day primier holiday that took its place. Along came Cyber Monday, an easier way to score deals while avoiding the mobs at in-person stores. It's just another way technology has pulled us further apart. I mean, sure, it's more convenient, but think of what we lose when we no longer have that one-on-one air fryer-to-skull contact. Sad. Also in recent years, retail employees have begun pushing back on so-called holiday creep, which is a term for stores expanding their holiday shopping periods into Thanksgiving, not what happens when your weird cousin hits the eggnog too hard and tries to go FDR on your underparts. But even as its golden days are behind it, Black Friday is still an American institution, standing tall beside Thanksgiving and the Super Bowl and the Purge. And now that you know its history, don't forget to keep it in perspective. Sure, saving money is great, but this season isn't about fighting some stranger at a store. It's about gathering your family and fighting with them. So happy shopping season. Now if you'll excuse me, I gotta start practicing for the big day. Hey, step away from that Dyson. You think I won't pull out this pin? Well, guess what? TikTok, motherfucker. Stay tuned because when we come back, Jonathan Majors will be joining me right here on the show. You don't want to miss it. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Show. My guest tonight is an Emmy-nominated actor who plays the first black aviator in Navy history in the new film Devotion, which will be exclusively in theaters November 23rd. Please welcome Jonathan Majors. This is, uh, am, I, am I holding these for you? Am I? No, 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 no. Those are for you. These are for me? I think uh, I heard you got two weeks left, maybe. <laughs> and so you, you brought me my flowers? From the culture. Oh, man. This is, those uh, are your flowers, B. And those is... are, uh, I heard those are South African. Um... Yeah, this is beautiful. Yeah. This those... is amazing. Yeah. Well, no, no one else has brought me flowers, man. Thank you. Uh, wow. Well, I, I had 
questions to grill you on, but now I'm... <laughs> we'll take it easy. Now we'll just, we'll just take it easy now. <laughs> no, man, welcome. Welcome What's to the up, show. Bro? It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. I mean, obviously for the new movie, but for everything that you've been doing. You know, you, 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 you hopped onto many people's screens for the first time, Lost Black Man in San Francisco. Amazing film that I think everybody should watch. You know, the, the way you carry a character, then obviously Lovecraft Country, which you got your Emmy nomination for. Congratulations on that. You know, and, and, now, and now in this film, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to be playing a character that more people should know about because of what they represented, but to be playing the first black pilot in the Navy. Yeah. You know, many people talk about how black uh, service members were fighting a war on, on two fronts. That's right. They weren't just fighting against what was happening outside America, they were fighting against what was happening inside America. And you, you portrayed them in this film. Talk me through the whys. I know you're very intentional about why, why this movie and why this character. Wow. Um, well, I play a supervillain. And I thought this was an opportunity to play a hero. I love that. Um, when I, so I'm from Texas, uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, Came up, came up a certain way. Uh, Jesse Brown is uh, from Mississippi. Right. And was the son of a sharecropper. And uh, somehow he made his way from those sharecropping fields to the sky and became not just a black naval aviator, but the best black naval aviator. Hmm. Um, and I thought, okay, we've got stories about King and Rosa Parks and Harriet Tubman. And we don't have a story about this guy. And this is his handshake. This is the first time they're gonna say, okay, this is this is Jesse, this is Jesse, you wow. know. And um, I wanted to be responsible for that, and uh, I also wanted to fly some planes. So. What did you garner from that experience that helped you in telling the story? Well, it was access. I mean, that was the whole thing. That was that's Jesse's thing, access. It's 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 quite poetic. It's a metaphor in a way, you know. If you can if you can touch the sky in your life in that way, you know, you can pretty much do do anything. You know you, what I mean? You truly can. Yeah. You truly can. Yeah. What I, what, I love, what, I, what I love noticing is, is how many times the parallels will be drawn between characters that, that, that great actors are playing and the lives that they themselves are living. Mm. I, I think you're no different. You know, you, you, you're ascending at a rate that everybody is enjoying. You know, you, 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 you truly are. You, you're flying from, you know, from indie films, you know, to, to, to a show that was beloved on, on, on HBO. And then now, as you said, you're gonna be in a Marvel movie, in Marvel movies, plural. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's the, the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so big. How do you hold on to the small that you love in acting? Because I know that about you. You love mm. the, 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 the minute, you know, but at the same time, we saw you and, you know, when you were in Loki, that was one of the best surprises. Okay. You, you made a pretty kick-ass villain. Yeah, you blow it up. You, know? <laughs> you blow it up. I mean, uh, I just, I just, lo I love acting. You right. Know, for me, it shows. It's, thank you, bro. For me, it's, um, it's my way of, uh, it's my way of healing. You know what I mean? You, you see a character, you go, okay. It's like getting to know somebody, you know? You go, okay, cool. And I, and I, Though I am, you know, pretty antisocial. Yeah. I do love people. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, I like, yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I'm clapping for that? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, that person's cool people. I love okay. people too. But we love people. I love we love people. people. We I love, love this people. guy. We love people. Uh, and the cool part about people is that is is really, you know, we're all, we're all the same in a way. You know, I'm not gonna get on a soapbox, but we really are. And yeah. The, and the older I get, and the more I'm, you know, rearing a kid and building a career, yeah. you go, you go, all these. 
the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and everybody's hurting, you know. Yes. And, and yes. there's something about you know, find, just finding purpose. You know, all the all the homies talk about it. Right. You know what I mean? Muhammad right. Ali talked about purpose. You know, Nipsey Hussle talked about purpose. Right. You know what I mean? Um, um, uh, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, that whole book is about people surviving this hard time because of purpose, yes. you know? And I feel quite fortunate that this is my purpose. I, I look at somebody and I go, okay, tell me where it hurts, what's going on? I go, okay, cool, where is that hurt on me? And you wow. try to, and you grow that way, you know what I mean? You, you can make some really great friends that way too. Wow, yeah. and you tell, you tell amazing stories that way, you know? And hopefully that. Yeah, no, those, because, it, no, because yeah. it connects to yeah. what people are experiencing, whether, whether it is the housing crisis in San Francisco, yeah. you know, whether, whether it is, you know, people being forced out of where they live, whether it is, you know, civil rights in America, yeah. you know, and, and I, think, I think you show that in everything. People are so excited to see you, not, not just in, 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 in Marvel films, but, you know, everyone was shocked and amazed not just at the fact that you're gonna be in Creed 3, the trailer looks amazing, right? Directed, directed by Michael B. Jordan, and you're gonna be starring across yeah. from him. Yeah. But then the images came out of you oh, here we go. on Men's Health. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely here we go, because I think we have the image here. Why, why are you doing this to us? I'm doing this for us. You realize that you realize there are normal <laughs> yeah, men yeah. out there. We're living our lives eating bread. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. and then you do what is your body fat percentage at right now? Uh 3.6. 3.6? 3. 3.6. I feel like athletes are at like five. So what do you what don't you eat? What do I not eat? I, can you eat? I can't. I can eat. I can't. Explain this Which to me. Uh, How is it that everybody who gets a Marvel movie gets a six-pack? What is happening there? <laughs> Why is Disney not, not releasing? I want to know what this is. What, how it's many hours? Algorithm. What do you eat? Yeah. What, like, what is your life? Uh, I mean, pff, what is my life? Oh. <laughs> so I woke up this morning. No, I want to know about the muscles. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about, man? I just train, man. I train, I train probably two, two, I train two times a day. Um, I... I stay away from carbs, you know what I mean? You unless, see, I knew it. Unless you need the carb, right? Yeah, I, knew, I knew it. I have oatmeal in the morning. Okay. That's a carb. And the know? fun carbs. Keeps you, you can put some, uh, you know what I mean? You can put, well, like, That's like, let, like so, pizza? So you're saying like, like oats is carbs. It's like someone saying, you want to come to a party? And you're like, yeah, and then they're like, it's a political party. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's that's okay. oats okay. are the carbs okay. of that. Okay. okay, okay. I see the game you play. Okay, okay, okay. I was okay. hoping there was like a hack. Okay. I thought there was a hack. You well, I'll tell you something about tell me about this. Yeah. I ate uh, Shake Shack the day before. That's a secret. You see, now this is something I can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna incorporate this into my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If once you've once you've gotten yourself to a certain point. Oh no! I just want to eat Shake Shack the day before, man. I want to eat Shake Shack the day before. Uh, be before yeah. I let you go, I remember the first time I saw you on the screen, and I was like, this guy. I don't know how he's doing it. Mm how he's making it so, you, you sucked me into your world. I promise you not, you just, everyone knows that you're gonna be the biggest star anyone has ever seen and oh everyone's gosh. gonna be giving you the flowers. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for creating what you create. Congratulations Thank on you, everything. Thank you, Jonathan Majors, everybody. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. For real, my dude. I mean it. It's like MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that's our show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we go, before we go, I just wanted to remind you, please consider donating to Forgotten Harvest. They collect food surpluses from grocery stores, markets, restaurants, and caterers, and they deliver it free of charge to emergency food providers in the metro Detroit area. So if you can support them in their work, then please donate at the link below. Until next time, stay safe out there. And remember, before you complain about how hard your life is, remember that some people are forced to own a country club. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.